You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. We are on a very special episode of Beltway Beef today. We're joined by Congressman Dusty Johnson from the great state of South Dakota. Uh, Congressman Johnson should be no stranger to anybody listening to this program. He has been an absolute champion for the cattle industry. Uh, he's a voice that we hear a lot because he's involved a lot in issues that impact cattle producers around the country. Congressman, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Oh, yeah, you bet. Well, you know, you said this is a very special episode, but they're all very special, aren't they? <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. And there's just a little sample of why Congressman Johnson is such a champion right there. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they are special to someone. And that's something we say a lot around here a lot. We have a lot of staff in the D.C. office. We tackle a lot of issues. And every issue we work on is the most important issue to somebody in the cattle industry. You know, and, and we always have to kind of keep that in mind. But one that is is important to absolutely everybody in the cattle industry and one that we've been talking about, and so have you with your constituents nonstop for the last couple of years, is prices and cattle markets and leverage um, and everything having to do with that dynamic between our members and our producers and your constituents on the ground um, and the prices that consumers are paying and the prices that I, I, that the packing sector is, is receiving for uh, for that product. You've been really active in, in looking for solutions in that space. Um, and, and, you know, I can't tell you how appreciative we are of all of that, but, you know, we're talking about a lot of different components moving at once here as well. Um, we've seen a tremendous amount of engagement from the new administration on processing capacity. We had an announcement from, uh, from the president and from Secretary Vilsack last week on additional funds to, to fund new plant expansion. We've seen that ramp up money from last year kind of starting to come to the surface now as far as that $55 million for state inspected facilities. South Dakota just joined the CIS program, the Cooperative Interstate Shipment Program here in the last several months. And, you know, in my last conversation with Dr. Odekoven, I know there were some challenges there, but, you know, it, it, this is a, there, I don't remember a time when we've had so much moving at once. Tell me a little bit about what you're hearing from your folks back home, um, how has the conversation evolved? Yeah, I mean, prices are lousy, right? And so I think there is, uh, of course, there's concern about that. Now, prices go up and down. This is a cyclical market like almost every market is. And so I think there's an understanding and an appreciation of your independent cow-calf producer and your small feeders that, you know, not every day, month, year is going to be a good one. I think there has in recent years become more of a concern, a question in their mind about how level is the playing field. Field. And we all get it, right? You see, uh, you know, supremely high demand for beef. Uh, if you look at it, uh, if you do a one-dimensional analysis, you would think, well, that high high demand would should create high prices uh, all throughout the supply chain. And of course, we see that's not the case. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But I mean, a big issue is we just don't have enough processing capacity. And uh, so I think people are, are really attuned to that, Ethan. And I think they want a better understanding of A, how do we add some of that processing capacity? And then B, how do we get more transparency into this marketplace so we can buy up some of the legitimacy people have over uh, around this idea about making sure everybody's getting a fair shake? Yeah. And, and that's, I think, something we all have been 
really focused on trying to, to figure out. And, and, you know, you put forth several pieces of legislation that really kind of get at the heart of some of those issues. Well, it makes me feel so good, Ethan. And I'm sure, you know, uh, most of your listeners know a lot more about the Phoenix meeting than I do. But, you know, the 22nd setup is you had five major uh, cattle facing groups uh, that don't always agree on a whole lot. Go to Phoenix here a month or two ago. They sat down and they uh, identified the three areas that they agree on that, that are policies that we can be working on together. And I was so reassured because the focus of our work has been largely in those three areas. So to have the experts step up, come together uh, and say, yep, that's right. Those are the proper marching orders. That gave me tremendous confidence that we're headed in the right direction. And this transparency piece, a beef contract library, getting some more transparency into the formula, pricing, selling on the grid. You know, price discovery is, if you're a free market guy or gal, price discovery is critically important. And, uh, you know, we want a few data points, a few more data points on the formula pricing. And I think that's going to help us have price discovery in a better and more comprehensive way. Yeah, I think we would agree with that. And, and, and you know, it's been such a focus, price discovery. And certainly we've been focusing on our voluntary system. We're seeing results from that. We're seeing an increase in, in cash trade in those areas where we really need it. Um, but it's it's one piece, right, of that bigger leverage equation. Uh, adding hook space is, a, is another portion of that that's really important, making sure that that throughput is where it needs to be to get this demand fueled, not just here, but around the world, where we're seeing that surging demand for, uh, unsurprisingly, the highest quality beef in the world that we produce here in the United States. Um, what do you think about the gridlock and sort of, I'm using gridlock because it's the term everybody always identifies, but you know, we're in pretty tight margin in Congress right now. Ag seems to be, and, and, and maybe in particular, some of these cattle market issues seems to be one of the few areas where we have some bipartisan work happening. Um, obviously, um, you know, you have you have Democratic co-sponsorship on on all of your legislation you've been working on in this space. Um, are you finding that that's starting to free up a little bit? Are we unique that, that these challenges in the cattle industry are getting that kind of bipartisan support? I work like the Dickens to get on the Agriculture Committee and the Transportation Committee, in large part because those are committees that have had a multi-generational tradition of working together. You know, the old line about there's not a Democrat or Republican way to fill a pothole and particularly ag, because there are farm uh, state Democrats and farm state Republicans. And I think we've understood that, particularly as our country has urbanized, we got to stick together. Uh, and I love it when we come together as a big ag family. It's not the South versus the Midwest. It's not the sugar uh, cane versus the sugar beet. It's not uh, pork versus cattle. It's we're all going to come together. Uh, we're not going to guarantee anybody uh, financial success in the ag sector. That's not what we do in this country. We want to give them a fair shot. We want to give them a sense that hard work and smart decisions can lead to financial stability. And it, it is beautiful that we have this coalition. On the transportation side, bipartisanship has um, frayed. And even on the ag sector, uh, in the ag committee, we've seen bipartisanship be not quite so prevalent as it has been in previous years. But in the cattle space, to your point, this is still an area where bipartisanship reigns. Uh, as you mentioned, everything that I'm doing, uh, I'm, I'm working with uh, Democrats, whether it's Abigail Spanberger or Henry Cuellar or Darren Soto. These are hardworking members of Congress who care about these supply chains. They care about these producers. I don't have to be happy the fact that the Democrats in charge of the House 
and the Senate and the White House. But the people of South Dakota didn't elect me to go, uh, you know, cry in my oatmeal and howl at the moon for two years until the next election. They want and they deserve uh, some progress. And so I'm going to work with anybody to do good. And it's been very reassuring the progress that we have made. And, I, and we love hearing that. And that's so important to us and our producers. You know, you listed some members there. And I, I think to their states, you know, Florida and Virginia and Texas, I mean, all unique voices in the cattle industry in this conversation, unique constituencies that are all trying to drive towards the same thing. And that's really that's what the Ag Committee is supposed to be doing. And and it's really cool to see that in, in action because we don't see it very often. But, you know, I want to thank you for your leadership there and, and, and others as well, because that's the only way we keep that conversation in a productive spot. And, and uh, you know, we have a lot of work left to do. We know the administration is is undertaking some of these issues from the regulatory side. That executive order on Friday was kind of a starter's pistol on a variety of processes, um, all of which, you know, I keep reminding people, uh, the Administrative Procedures Act is pretty detailed in the fact that none of this stuff happens quickly. I mean, it's it's months of public comment. And, and so I'm curious your thoughts on Congress's role there versus what the administration is already doing. Um, and, and how do we share the road there? I mean, are, are, are they doing enough that you feel like Congress can kind of laser focus on some open gates? Do you feel like there's a, a dual track nature that makes some sense? Yeah, first off, I would say to people, they shouldn't get too excited about the executive order. There's some good stuff in there. But, you know, a lot of this is not as groundbreaking as maybe people would like to believe. Right. You know, they say they're going to look at product of the USA. Well, 18 months ago, I secured in an open ag committee hearing uh, a commitment from Sonny Perdue that they were looking at product of the USA. That does need to be changed. And I do think uh, USDA and the last administration made some efforts, but we didn't seal the deal. And so, again, I I think Vilsack understands farm and ranch country, but we got to keep we got to keep the pressure on. We got to be working together uh, to make sure the product of the USA does get redefined in a way that makes more sense to consumers. Right now, it can be misleading all too often. And then other things like, oh, you know, they're going to make it uh, easier for small producers to be protected by packers and stockyards. Yeah, if you're a contract grower. Uh, think turkeys, uh, you probably will have uh, more opportunity to receive some relief in court. But most producers don't want to have to hire a couple dozen fancy lawyers and spend months or years in uh, court proceedings to be able to get relief. And so we've got to keep the pressure on Congress. It is our job to make the laws for this country. When we don't do it, shame on us. And so I think even when the administration has done things that I am overwhelmingly supportive of, it is good, as you said, to be working a dual track because let's get this thing in the statute. Once it's in statute, it's hard to change. An executive order can be changed by one pen stroke of the next guy or gal. Yeah, and that's something we talk about a lot. Anything that's easy to implement is easy to roll back uh, at a different point in time. It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. So, What do we need to do to keep the momentum going? How can we in the cattle industry help you get this work done? Uh, What do you you need from us? What What are we missing as far as moving the ball forward here? Well, and I talked about how, how good it is to have the big uh, ag family all focused together. Uh, you know, one area where that hasn't always been the case most effectively is when it's come to the beef policy. We all agree on the problems, but sometimes I think uh, some of us are more incremental and some of us are a lot more aggressive. And I understand the interest in being aggressive, but I would just say to everybody who has any respect for the five groups that were down in uh, Phoenix. So, you know, National Cattlemen, uh, RCAF, uh, NCBA, 
Farmers Union, Farm Bureau. They, they, pretty, they pretty much run the gamut of right to left uh, with these issues, right? And if they agree on the three prongs we should be focused on, I would ask everybody out there, uh, producers or allies, to be focused on those three things. There are sexier policy solutions, home runs, silver bullets, uh, statements that make great bumper sticker slogans. But all too often, uh, those I'm concerned those might not actually deliver the kind of sanity we want to see in the cattle markets. We know if we focus on the three, which is DOJ investigation, bringing that to a conclusion, uh, additional transparency as we uh, get into uh, you know mandatory price reporting reauthorization, and then number three, doing a better job of building capacity uh, at the processing level. We focus on those three we are going to get real progress made for rural America and for anybody who likes to eat protein. If we're all running in different directions, some of us throwing Hail Hail Marys and some of us trying to put down bunts, we're gonna be in trouble. Couldn't have said it better myself. Congressman Johnson, thank you for the work you're doing. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Any closing words for the folks out there? No, I know a lot of your listeners, uh, you know, are not day to day involved in production agriculture, but a lot of them are. And so I would say for those folks who are out there busting their humps uh, with prices that, thank goodness, aren't 119 right now, but are still not where we want them. uh, For those of you who are concerned about uh, whether or not you'll be able to do it five or 10 or 15 years down the road and are losing sleep over it. Uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. And just know that uh, we are working to try to make sure that your way of life and your ability to feed the world uh, are maintained and protected. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. That's been Congressman Dusty Johnson from South Dakota here on the Beltway Beef Podcast. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.